We interrupt this broadcast of Fashionable Face Mask Monthly to bring you a very important message. Murder Hornets. That's right, Murder Hornets have invaded U.S. territory. These bug-eyed assassins used to be known as Japanese Giant Hornets, but that wasn't deemed sensational enough and possibly even racist, so now they're Murder Hornets. Beware of these large insects anywhere you find normal bees, but especially if you yourself happen to be a bee. These hornets will decapitate you and your entire community and feed your headless bodies to their young. This may or may not apply to humans as well. Experts aren't sure yet, but is it really worth the risk? What we do know is that their name is Murder Hornets, and that's scary as hell. Do not meander near any marauding mass of maniacally mandible murder bugs. The coronavirus is peanuts compared to these homicidal hornets. Being on the receiving end of their massive stinger smarts in a serious way. Much worse than a cough. Next week, be on the lookout for Armageddon sharks and the dreaded homophobic rhinoceroses. Be careful. That's a pun. And now back to your regularly scheduled fear-mongering. The Born to Be Mild Podcast. Hey, hello, and welcome back to BTBM. It's the week of May 10th, 2020. For Ronald Cabuno, I'm Peter Crawford. Ron, let's start things off on a high note for once. How was your birthday? Oh, thank you very much, buddy. It was fantastic. 38 years ago, I was born on Mother's Day, and I gotta say, it was quite the gift, but it's the gift that keeps on giving because I now have another mother in my life that I am able to say Happy Mother's Day to, my wife, Brittany. Happy Mother's Day to you. And happy Mother's Day to all the moms. I'm sure you'd like to get that in as well. Yeah, happy Mother's Day to all of my friends and their wives and everyone I know out there who's doing a great job mothering, and especially a happy Mother's Day to my own mother and my aunt who live together in Florida, and they're weathering the storm as uh, some elderly folks, but they are happy and they deserve to have a great day. You know what? There's nothing better than some like elderly sisters hanging out on the daily, man. They fucking love it, and they make the most of life. You know, my mom and my aunt do the same thing, and yeah. it's a wonderful thing to see. Oh, they bicker um, like crazy, too. It's hilarious. Well, yes, of course. They've <laughs> known each other for a very long time, but there's no one else they'd rather be spending time with, you know? Yeah, they, they say as much themselves. So I'm really glad that uh, in the wake of my father's death several years ago that they have each other. So um, Exactly. Yes, yes. Wish- nothing like family. Yeah, so wishing a great day to them and uh, all the other mothers out there. Thank you for all that you do. My birthday party consisted of three people, me, my wife, and my baby girl, and it couldn't have been better. It was just filled with so much happiness. Um, I got these really cool uh, bourbon glasses. They're like inside-out, double-wall blown so that when you hold it, you're not actually holding the bourbon in the glass. Mm -hmm. It's like suspended inside. And it and it's got a nice rounded lip. It delivers it right to the the perfect spot on the tongue. It is a connoisseur's dream, and it's working like clockwork. Yeah, that sounds great. When you first <laughs> said uh, bourbon glasses, the first thing I thought of was uh, uh, the kind that my, uh, myself would be wearing in college when the bar was closing, and I was feeling <laughs> feeling a little lonely. And uh, oh bro- well. I tell you what, I was never buying bourbon when I was when I was at the bar at college. No, nope. those were my natty light glasses. Yes. Oh man, I loved bourbon from uh, God. Ever since I could legally drink, I started ordering it at the bar. So, but yeah, fantastic bourbon, bourbon glasses, natty glasses. It's the same result. Vivian has been teething this week, and it's been insane. I feel so bad for her. The type of cries that she had when she's teething, it's like no other. <laughs> 
Um, so, you know, like I got this little stuff, you got to rub on the gums and you give her the Tylenol because they always have a fever and she's crying for no reason. And you just want to be there for her. And that's what I've been doing. And I need some help. So I need mom home from work. Yeah, that's the that's the real end of the, your story here, I think. It's that you're a little overwhelmed with the teething responsibilities. <laughs> it's too much. Her tears, they cut right to the heart. <laughs> but anyway, so we have an absolute murderer's row, so to speak, of topics oh to talk about this week. <laughs> We've got the pandemic yahoos. We've got more murder hornet mania. The notorious RBG is laid up again, for God's sake. I mean, it doesn't sound that bad, but anything with her is touch and go. Uh, we've got Mike Tyson's possible return to the ring. No freaking hamburgers at Wendy's. Don Shula and Little Richard both passed away. And I really just wanted to start things off with Ahmaud Aubrey and the situation going down in Georgia in terms of the finally the response to his slaying. Yeah, it's uh, a little tardy to the show, but it's good to finally see the justice is coming. But we live in America, so justice is always a partisan issue. So yeah, justice delayed is justice denied, and it's been two months since this, since this happened. Two months, and so now we've got footage, and they're actually uh, the guy who was uh, actually filming this. I think is under questioning for possibly being charged as well. Uh, I don't know if it's if they've come to a decision how could he it, not be? But they've been it talking was so about it. circumstantial that this person is behind the truck that's doing it stops, rolls tape, and does nothing about it. What's going on there? Yeah. And I mean, even if you, you try to stretch your imagination to the point where he's not involved at all, there's got to be one of these Seinfeld Good Samaritan laws where this dude's just a bystander while some dude gets murdered. Like, that's not okay. I'm glad oh, wait, you're- no, wait. Where's the audio from inside the cabin of the car saying, holy shit, they're killing that guy? Yeah, there is no reaction. You know, I don't even know if I've listened to it with audio, but yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, you should definitely be able to hear <laughs> that because be that should be happening. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's not like you see a squirrel on the side of the road and you just caught a shot of it with your phone. There's a dude getting murdered. And we All shouldn't right, be laughing so, yeah. about this. So no, it's- no, no, no. But we are laughing at the absurdity that this man obviously should be under questioning because we didn't hear shit from him while it's going on. Right. That's crazy. Uh, I don't understand how the, he was uh, in such a perfect... It's like they had Spielberg directing this entire thing for him. <laughs> right. You know? and oh, you had the just so happen to catch that low angle with the light and everything. Bullshit. I know. You know, fucking, we Russia, have to talk maybe, to you. You know, where they have the, the car cameras on everyone, but uh, this dude was legitimately filming for a reason. But yeah. the point is, is these guys are getting charged. They are not being charged for a hate crime. Because, because there are no hate crimes in Georgia. One of four states. There How are about no that? Hate crimes did you just learn that this week? Because I did. I did. I did. Yeah. There and isn't no that the saddest thing you've ever heard? <laughs> well, I don't understand. First of all, this it's is first for a reason, murder. obviously. Yeah, I don't know how. You, it's well, it's come up in their uh, legislation before, but um, the, it's been shut down every single time. That's what I mean. This is so, the good old boy state. Yeah, one of four of them, I guess, huh? So, yeah, you've got a guy who's going jogging. And what what is their defense? They thought that he was uh, he was going to break into a, a car. They thought or a that house. he fit the profile of someone who had made break-ins in the neighborhood. So they essentially rounded up their own posse. Dad was, you know, driving and and pa or right, you know and right. and John boys in the truck <laughs> and they get out with their guns and they go hunting down the freaking road of a residential street. It's like absolutely surreal to see the footage. 
Yeah, it's the the video is disturbing to say the least because these guys. I don't see how you don't look at this and say this is absolutely first degree murder and throw the book at these guys as hard as it. You know what? I don't even fucking care if they call it a hate crime. Just lock these guys up away for life anyway. Right. Um. It's right. one of the most disgusting things it. I've ever seen. Yeah, it's horrible. When it's open and shut like that with video evidence, it doesn't even have to be a hate crime. It's obviously premeditated when you're rolling down Mad Max style, uh, you know, right. with your camera <laughs> a street crew. with houses on. Yeah, don't forget the camera crew. Um, yeah, so it seems like this would be one of those uh, situations where pretty much everyone's in the same camp looking at this. Like, these guys definitely need to be locked up immediately. And the majority of people I've seen on either side of the aisle have been that way. But of course... There are groups out there that, for whatever reason, are praying for this this father and son, trying to hope and get support for them to not be wrapped up in these charges and to get away yeah. with the, what they did. I don't understand. And these are supposed to be Christian groups, Christian platforms who are out there just praying for two guys who just murdered somebody in cold blood. I don't care if this dude was breaking into fucking houses, cars, whatever. That doesn't give you the right to blow his ass away. So, well, I don't there you go. You have story. a precedent on a national stage of things like stand your ground in Florida, mm-hmm. where yeah, uh, the public believes that if you're doing things for a just cause, you're allowed to take somebody's life, and that's actually not the case. But these types of legislative measures give people that idea. Well, doesn't stand your ground apply to you being directly threatened violently by the person? No, stand your ground means that I think as long as they're on your property, you could they could be fleeing and you can load them up and it's okay. Well, this guy was on a sidewalk or a road. Like I didn't. I, what point is he on? Oh, somebody's property? absolutely. Well, so I don't. When you say that, oh, I thought he was coming right at me. It's like that. It's the South like Park that a South Park episode. It's coming right for us. <laughs> That's essentially the kind of shit they're leaning on as as justification for cold blooded murder, and it stands in some of these places. It's just, uh, yeah, I don't understand something. it. I don't understand it, but uh, I I have a good feeling that even though it's completely ridiculous that there's no hate crime uh, statute in Georgia. This guy's, or both these guys are going to get the book thrown at him. Uh, we'll see where they end up because, you know, we still look back at the uh, the Trayvon Martin stuff and it's like, how the hell did George Zimmerman end up walking away Walk, from that? right. So we'll see well, what happens. you really do have people trying to spin it to the nth degree. So if you can watch that video and say to yourself, well, he was just getting in a tussle with somebody who was trying to confront him based on some hard and, fact, hard and fast evidence that people were being uh, terrorized in the neighborhood... You know, then, then then you're seeing it in a way that I don't think almost anyone else with rational eyes would. Yeah, you've you've already convinced yourself, um, and I think that uh, most of these uh, these people, you know, this isn't a, the best case, but the people in this case who are defining what they did as self defense or however they want to look at it, it's just another representation of the conservative party uh, and being kind of a part of Trump's camp, having a preconceived end result, a preconceived notion of what they want, and then looking for a way to justify coming to that conclusion. They're really good at circular logic, and they're really good at making sure they always come right home to, I am innocent. <laughs> it really is. And it's, you know, it's, it, Trump does this all the time, and I think those irresponsible like leaps in logic, it's it's become a pattern. And it's it's trickled down to like everyone in this country for the past 
decade or so. So I guess trickle-down effect is a real thing. Uh, congratulations, GOP, but it has nothing to do with money. It has to do with this ideology where you've got circular rationality. Like, you've already decided what you want your conclusion to be, and so I've just got to find a way and find a, a, an internet outlet that'll justify me uh, arriving at that conclusion. In this case, the conclusion being, yeah, this murder was justified. Sure. And it's really just another way that the majority, the holders of power in this country are able to play the victim once again. Um, it boggles the mind that they're even able to make up these stories about how they are being oppressed. Uh, I was getting into an argument on Facebook just today because I had a little time in the morning. And it was God, basically over... A little time is the worst. It was basically over left versus right thinking, and I said, I am tired of the both sides argument, and there is no ground. You might have been able to get away with that for the last 15 years, but that shit is out the window. Essentially because the equivocation isn't there. So if you want to talk about the far left, the far left is me. I am sitting here, and I am on the side of science and reason and wondering what we're going to do next and leaning on doctors to give me the best practices. But the far right is running into the state houses with guns. And the far left is comprised of a hundred different special interest groups that all are fragmented and are not having a concerned... Uh, they, they don't work in concert and have one voice. But the far right actually does. Yeah, it's almost a, a reverse of what we saw in a, uh, around uh, 2008 when uh, the Tea Party and uh, the... Uh, the Republicans of uh, the past kind of came to a, a difference in their party and Obama was elected and we saw a splintered uh, right wing at that point and the left was kind of unified under Barack Obama for a while. But we are uh, we are far gone from that now. And you I would consider you a little uh, a little bit on the far left end yourself, but I, I look at myself more as a centrist and I absolutely cannot agree with there are both sides to certain debates you know, Correct. There's a little bit here. It's it's just not true anymore. There is far more insanity going on on the Republican right at this exact time. It's just but I, the I division has to come. The division has to come on the right side, where this is an inflection point, where people like Mike DeWine have to say, "I'm not going to hitch my wagon to the Republican Party if they're going to be on the anti-science side of Donald Trump from here on out." There has to be a cleaving because it is not going to be in the best interest of the American public to go down this um, this road of just saving face at all costs. Yeah, and DeWine has kind of been pretty good about that. But so have a lot of other liberal Republican governors. So there is, I don't want to call them never Trumpers because they have you know, sided with the president a little bit since he's been in office, but what you'd call them is the rational side of the Republican Party, and they're getting farther and fewer between. Well, let me ask you this question. How do you side with Trump on anything regarding this uh, public health crisis? Because his there's such an instability to where he stands on the issue. Like the, the volatility of, of, of him at first saying, well, no, it's not a real thing. Well, it is a real thing. Well, we're taking this very seriously. We got to make sure we stay closed. Now we've got to open right away. Like he's actually praising governors opening up their states right now who are literally defying the order that he put out about two and a half weeks ago. Yes, he's, he's able to play both sides of it 
magnificently, if I may say so, and then his supporters are able to rationalize it magnificently, if I may say so. They're able to at once be against the government and for Trump in one sentence. It's madness. Yeah, I, somehow everything... Uh, th- everything's gotten so backwards in the last three years that I don't know what pro-government and pro-Trump th- th- there's there's two sides there that should be the same side of the story, but they're not you're anti-government and pro-Trump somehow, even though he's in charge of the government Trump this week decided that he wanted to get rid of the task force which was essentially the only rational people in the room and the people that everyone hung on every word that they had to say for some real advice during this pandemic. And then the next day he gets an enormous amount of blowback for what a boneheaded move that was. So then the following day he says, no, you know what, we're actually, we'll extend their lease a little bit longer because it sounds like you guys (laughs) really like them. He said, who knew? He said, who knew they were so popular? Oh, it's like TV ratings. It's like almost like the finale of MASH. It's like, you fucking asshole. That's not why they're popular. It's because we don't want to hear from you. Yeah, I don't want to hear it from him. And to be honest, when I look at what they're doing, first of all, let's look at Georgia, who's uh, been opening already. And they had this massive spike immediately in cases. It's got to be some kind of an indicator for the things that are to come for states that open. I mean, right now, uh, the uh, predictions... I am so scared about what's going to happen. The CDC. Because you're essentially opening things up to Americans and saying, all right, let's see how you guys do. We trust you. Don't trust these people. They're idiots. No, they they don't have any kind of consistent... narrative on the way that they think about this they're just <laughs> these people are wrecking cars because they're wearing masks and it creeps into their eyes while they're driving and yeah. there's no one else in the car who were you saving yourself from at that point right i mean like this is the populace that we're asking to please make sure you don't spread this virus but people don't want to hear that they don't want to hear that uh the cdc thinks that we're going to double our deaths in june because we're walking these measures back they don't want to hear from fauci it wasn't just that it was the conservative university of washington model and that was the one that the conservatives decided to leech onto or sorry latch onto at the outset because it had the lowest death rate well guess what they literally just came out with a revision that doubled it up to 135,000, and we're well on our way Mm -hmm. there So how do you, where do you go? Where do you run for cover now if you're an apologist like Trump? Well, the the point is, is that there's the people that are out there now who weren't out there three weeks ago, the ones that were saying, yes, this is to be taken seriously and now have flipped. They don't think that the virus is gone. They don't, they just don't believe that anything can stop it anymore. So they said, fuck it. They're just over it all. And at this point, the tribalized resistance it's really just going to render most of our social distancing efforts completely futile. It really is. I had a coworker this week talk to me and say, well, it just sounds like it's going to be twice as bad in November, so I'd rather get it now. Right. Yes. That, that, it's- he said it came out of his mouth to me. And I said, wow, what a fucking inconsiderate asshole. Sacrifice the weak. Have you seen that sign? I just but don't that's where we're at. That's the collective thinking. And no and one these- wants to listen to people uh, try... Let's look at it this way. Science and healthcare and compassion and tolerance have just lost the battle in this country yet again. <laughs> it's all about who can be the loudest and who can have the most machismo. Well, we know who that's going to be every single time. 
We do, and we cannot let these people win. Yet, here we are. Here we are, yeah, exactly. We've got the pandemic people who are making Anthony Fauci, a guy who is to the best of my knowledge, spent the better part of 40 years trying to save as many lives as he can and better the human race. And these people and some stupid bitch who's been jilted wants to make some videos and go viral and talk about how he's trying to give everybody oh, cancer and God. how he's with vax is some anti-vax nonsense. And everybody who is on the Trump side of things is latching onto it because Trump said you got to get rid of Fauci. And this video says you got to get rid of Fauci. So two and two equal I'm stupid. I'm going to share it on Facebook. Yeah. And what's really sick about this video, and I don't really want to get rolling too hard on it because it really pisses me off. The attraction and the temptation uh, to believe that content isn't really just Trumpers. We're talking about people that are on the middle of the aisle, people on the left side of the aisle, people just looking, people who are bored looking for something. Oh, we're talking about conspiracy theorists. And conspiracy theorists have basically uh, infiltrated conspiracy theories have basically infiltrated every part normally, of, of our society. Normally, normally rational people have been uh, infiltrated by a message that is 100% conspiracy. The protagonist of the message is a woman that has like a well-documented history of dubious actions and her integrity has been called into question. And this is the one professional who has been sidelined that has all the answers. Like, that's why I don't understand why there isn't a larger wellspring of professionals who are denouncing what she has to say. Well, there are. It's like, well, they're not making themselves heard. They're no, not they're being n- shared in the in the greatest said. volume. They aren't as loud. They don't have as much machismo. And so she's got all the gravitas right now. Her megaphone is a fucking media agency whose business model completely relies on conspiracy theories and why don't we get some nice dark vignetting and some music like they do with the lincoln project so that you can denounce the type of things that she's advocating for because that apparently worked right you got trump who uh, you know before he said anything to say about this there were a couple thousand people that saw this video and now there are millions of people that saw this because it is never trumpers who have had enough who are finding the time is right to gang up on what this man has done and let you know those swing voters reflect on what they may or may not do come November. And you don't need the money uh, of someone. The Lincoln Project isn't hugely funded, but and if you're not familiar with what the Lincoln Project, no, the is, message just has to be right. right. Exactly. Anybody, this is a low budget video. You don't need to be a bunch of uh, never Trumpers who are uh, you know ex politicians or. Whatever you could be, it's the same way as the pandemic video. It just has to strike the chord. That's that's what I'm saying. That's a low budget video. There's no fucking way that video costs that much to make. No, they just talk to a bunch. Because it's all lies and old video footage. It doesn't take that much to do that. It's dangerous (laughs) that it's that easy to make this kind of a video. Right, undermines all social cohesion because some bitch with an axe to grind who's been spending like a ten years, a full decade, I think. Trying to build this. All right, now this is why places like China and Russia feel like they have the right system in place because the populace cannot be trusted. Therefore, you must think for them. If it is that easy to dupe this large of a segment of the American public, then how can they be trusted to elect people? How can they be trusted to do the right thing when it comes to 
littering or you name it, right? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, in this country, our state elected officials happen to be on the same side as this exact video. So They do. And that's the same kind of people who are voting to limit the authority of Dr. Amy Acton in the Ohio State House. Yeah, I heard that uh, DeWine was pretty happy with those accusations. Oh, oh my God. But it wasn't just that. It was that there were people demonstrating outside of her personal home, like really bringing it to an absurd level. And he called it obnoxious (laughs) and he called it disturbing. And he said, you know what? I'm the elected official. I nominated her. So you come at me. And that little man made me so fucking proud. Like I was like, yeah, what's up? I will. Let's rumble with these idiots to whine. Let's go. But they have all the guns, so I was like, all right, maybe just get the cops to arrest them. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, what what has gone on in this country is, it's, it's hilarious that we're looking at something like China or Russia or even the Philippines now. I don't know if you heard about that, but their president actually completely shut down one of their media outlets because uh, he, he didn't agree. Is that Duterte? That. Yes, correct. That is his all name. All right. Uh, <laughs> so a little bit of that state-run uh, uh, media censorship going on over there as well. But how could we possibly look at that and with bad an eye in the light that maybe that's not so bad? It's no, when what we we're see looking like at this. is when people listen to what they're told. So people listen to what they're told either when they have faith in their government and their institutions, when they have faith in their fellow man, or when they have fear in their institutions. So yes, there are authoritarian places like Russia and China where they have fear, but there are places like the UK, even though they have a high death toll, you see people who are doing the social distancing and the measures and they're not scoffing in large numbers like other places like the US. Yeah. Oh, the irony of the statement you just made is that the people who are taking the side of this video are going to cast a stone at us and say we are the ones listening to what we're being told because we're believing what the government tells us. We're believing what experts tell us. We're believing what Pulitzer Prize winning outlets talk about and medical experts and... Apparently, and I, those and my are the reaction to them is, be to. I was taught that way through fucking school that that's the best route because otherwise it's all hearsay, it's non-corroborated, it's, it's non-scientifically proven. Yeah. and it, It's can, amateur hour. So that's ridiculous. where I go. I go to the fucking professionals who spend their lives doing this shit. And you, if you are going to fall into this camp where you just believe that they're all in cahoots and they're out to get you, then what's to stop you from believing in anything? You know, fucking A, I'll make a YouTube video about unicorns. And you know why you don't hear about them? Because the government and the experts don't want to tell you about them. And the problem is, I'm sorry, but like we have a fantastical version of reality that each one of us gets to live in. So then when we hear that the actual reality of the situation is so disheartening that we don't want to believe it, we jump to whatever ridiculous conclusion is available on the web, and that's what we latch on to. Well, that, this is the, the meat of your argument, though. You have this louder group who has, for at least most of my adult life, kind of gotten their way because they just go out of their way to bully a, a group which is actually 
someone who just doesn't have interest in fighting because they already, they think they're intellectually superior. So they're like, well, I'm not going to have to worry about these people. Well, you should, because they're the ones that are uh, controlling things like gerrymandering. That's how we're getting like minority rules with these votes. And the minority right now is the less educated, is the louder, is the the more asinine and out of their mind people. Because because their strings are being pulled by bigger money and more concerted efforts than you have on the left. On the left, people are just trying to get by. On the right, people are trying to amass power. I think that there's there's probably a lot of money and power trying to uh, convince both sides. I just think that the stuff on the left, it's just never as loud. It, and, and I'm not even talking about the people. I'm talking about the message. But in an end result, it. what kind of power does the left plan on having? Do they really plan on having one world government like these idiots on the right think? Or they just want to make sure everybody has food stamps and enough money to have a living wage? To be honest. What is their end result versus I no the idea. right? What is more more nefarious? No, I'm talking about the left that you know, the left that you might be a part of. Let's not talk about the left as if they're some foreign object, because I talk about the left as if I am the left. And I talk about the left as as if I am a foil for the left. When I talk to a lot of people on the right or the moderate right, or people who consider themselves moderate, but who are so far to the right from normal discourse, in my opinion, that they're lost. Well, I'm looking at the left from an objective, as objective as I can be. As someone who's been looking at uh, the politics unfolding for the past 15 years. And I and think the, the, the left, left is, is far more reasonable. I believe, that I, I am 100% on board with, agreeing with that. Yes, the, the left has been more reasonable. They've been more driven by science, by uh, logic, by actual trending and facts and history. The right has been completely off its kilter. But the whole if we time, were both dealing with the same passive. if we were both dealing with the same table of facts and then we wanted to decide differently what to do with it that would be one thing that would be a rational civilized nation but we are so far from that that there because is you're only not, yeah. you're not even arguing about different books you're in different libraries the the uh, re- conservative regime right now it, the stuff that they're coming up with I don't even know how to refute it. It's so elementary. Why isn't blue called red? How could you possibly describe an answer to that question? That's how it feels when I'm trying to answer questions to conservatives when they pose these things where they they think that they're actually questioning some kind of a fucking hierarchy that's been imposed upon our wills. When it's just, they've just decided that they don't want to believe in anything normal anymore when science tells them something. Right. Yeah, and I don't I don't know how to I don't know how to combat that rationale. I don't know how to take that argument. And you that's cannot. What I, I think so most all I'm saying is that, that you have to position. you have to consolidate anyone else who will denounce that, whether they are on the right or the left. You have to get everyone together who agrees that this is total bullshit, and you have to work together against it because that insurgency has gained momentum ever since the days of the Tea Party and is now at his, at a steady 40%. And maybe if you got some of those mid-right defectors to see the light and understand the long-term effects of this type of policymaking and thinking, you know, you can really turn the tables and get these people away from seats of power. Um, there is a 
a term that was brought up again this week on one of the podcasts, the cockistocracy, mm-hmm. which is essentially governing by the worst among us. And so cocky is shit. And stocracy means obviously the uh, government, the government of. Yeah. And that is what we have right now. We have a man who promised to drain the swamp, but is bringing in increasingly unfit and unqualified people to do very important jobs in the federal government. Yeah, I think that on the topic of Trump, I think there's been some right-wing defectors. Um, That may be one point where the left has gained a few people that they didn't have before. And the the people who didn't fall into that category are the ones that pushed even further right. But I digress. The bottom line being, it doesn't matter if they get those people or not, because I think the left, well, we saw the Hillary Clinton election. Nobody even liked Hillary. She got 3 million more votes. The left has already been the majority of the people, but unless they get someone to speak up for them, and I don't, I don't know if it's going to be Joe Biden, but it's got to be somebody. They need some kind of a unified figure to unite under the way that Trump somehow united the right in the way that he did. Sure. And until that happens, you're going to have these loud, contentious, just, Contentious, is that a word? These loud, contentious Contentious. people uh, (laughs) just running every aspect of elections and decisions made about our health. You know, these uh, all the So I'm looking towards uh, May 16th when you have the commencement for the class of 2020 being hosted by Barack Barack Obama, Obama. nationally televised on all three networks, as well as Fox. So you're going to have Barack Obama addressing the nation as well as LeBron James and a bunch of other liberal figureheads. Mm -hmm. And they're going to have a slightly different message for the nation than what you've been hearing um, from the administration. Yeah, Barack already threw some shade at Trump. um, Yeah, just this week. days ago. Yeah, he's basically calling it shameful. (laughs) <laughs> the way that the administration has handled this entire crisis. And he didn't pull any punches. Uh, it's, it wasn't Obama still in office, Obama. It was Obama, I'm still in Chicago, and I'm not a politician yet, sounding Obama. Which is good, and we're going to need that. You know, he's going to be on the campaign trail for Biden, you know, increasingly. But you have to have a unifying message, and it's absolutely far too easy to come up with one right now. You just have to have the figures and the celebrity status to bring it to the people in large numbers. Yeah, and you got to pick the right people because you're going to have immediate blowback on anybody you pick. So you've got to minimize. People are going to... Obama, immediately, you're going to get all this uh, crap from the right. LeBron James is going to be the whole celebrity should stay out of politics stuff. So sure, everything is a fucking minefield to navigate. It's ridiculous. It is, but I think for people on the left, they just need to be able to see some people who are speaking up for them. Yeah, I agree. So let's talk a little bit about COVID itself and the way that we've continued to learn more as time passes, uh, science catching up, uh, some good things, some bad things. Um, That University of Washington model, which uh, the Trump administration was using to tout the projections on deaths, and they all looked kind of low before. Suddenly, the projection itself has been doubled to about 130,000 dead as of this last week that they're projecting. Sure. And um, that's, I guess, with rates going the way they are, we're going to see some spikes probably that might be jumping that number even more after we find out what happens in the reopening next two weeks. 
Yeah, I think that they they're trying to feel this out as they go. Um, they're they're learning a little more about the virus itself. Uh, we originally thought for a while, and some people still may not know this, but that the virus doesn't really affect children for whatever reason. And recently, we're discovering a, a lot of cases in New York, specifically where, yeah, it does affect them. It just happens to take even longer for it to start to show symptoms. But they're getting a really bad reaction to the uh, the coronavirus itself, and it's making them really sick. So if you people out there are... And luckily, it's only been a handful of kids, but... It's a small amount. The but, symptoms have been consistent enough to where it's looking like a specific disorder based on uh, linked to the virus. Right. They, they're they not sure yet. But I think uh, the takeaway from that is a lot of people out there have felt really invincible about this, particularly in rural areas where they haven't seen it. And, you know, when if you haven't seen something, you don't have respect for it. You don't have fear of it. Suddenly you're not and you're looking at it like, well, it's not going to affect me and my family. Well, here's something to look at. It might affect your kids. You might bring it home while you're out there being so brave and not wearing your mask. And maybe your kid gets sick. So it's something to think about. One thing that we are actually learning is that uh, originally people thought that children seem to be immune or really not affected too badly by the coronavirus. But they're seeing now there's several cases in New York where kids are being affected. It just takes a little longer for the virus to show up. Have you seen this yet? I have. I mean, there was like some Kawasaki's disease going on or something in New York City. Yeah, I actually know about that because I saw it on Grey's Anatomy, believe it or not. But um, I do believe it because half of the time it's lupus on Grey's Anatomy. I do know that. <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, so, it's, like, there are some complications that are arising in children that weren't, you know, fully seen and studied early on in the crisis. So we're understanding that not everybody is immune no matter what the age. So guess what? People of all age and 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 demographics are susceptible we can't just sit here and put blanket coverage over certain people yeah and if you haven't respected the virus because you're you're thinking it's not going to affect you badly and your children are going to be fine maybe that's something to think about while you're out there without your mask being so brave right exactly and And you might be 30 years old but and fine but your five-year-old might not be and that's that's just as not cool as it gets yeah, so we've been finding stuff out like that. There's a potential that it could be uh, um, sexually transmitted, actually. They've seen traces of the virus in semen. Well, that so, would that's not good. No, but I would imagine if you're in the middle of, um, let's say, uh, coitus with someone, it's possible that you may be breathing into their mouth anyway. Sure, and I would imagine that this has to be a record low time for dating apps and things of that nature and meeting up in general. Yeah, I, they're definitely not... Uh, that's got to suck. Business, but uh, yeah, it's probably on a low end of the, the curve. Well, right I'm now. just saying like for like uncoupled and single people, this is not a good time. No, it would be terrible. I mean, it's not a good time for dating. I don't, you can do, I guess you can <laughs> right, do. That's what I mean. You could do face chats and stuff like you could before, but. That uh, sucks. Nobody does that. It's terrible. But there are good things. We've learned uh, a little bit more about uh, the origin of the, the virus itself. We're thinking now maybe not a lab- or in a laboratory. So. What do you think? Well, all right. So you have to really be able to parse the words of the CDC on things like that. When they're talking about it wasn't born in a lab, that means it wasn't born in a lab. When they want to talk about was it mishandled in a lab, uh, I don't think they're as clear with that language. Yeah, it's hard to say how they could possibly know. But there's a lot of 
there's a lot of uh, conflicting information out there. And once again, we're seeing one thing from the Trumps and another thing from the sciences. So <laughs> I, I don't know where it came from, but I like that we're still questioning stuff. They're talking about vitamin D helping and uh, dogs. Now, this is something that you were talking about, and I hadn't seen this yet. I think dog it's so sniffing cool. COVID dog or uh, yeah, uh, COVID so sniffing like dogs. diseases like uh, cancer and and then things like malaria and diabetes have distinct odors that can be smelled by canines. So they're trying to find out if there's some kind of scent pattern that can be uh, associated with COVID, and then you'd be able to be smelled out by a dog. So would you and like you know, obviously, these guys airports? are damn near infallible. But yeah, you would place these people in any you know point of concern, and that would definitely be a better safeguard than some kind of temperature check. Yeah, if you've got a dog that can smell if you're sick, um, I've heard, that's amazing. I've heard different things from airports right now. A friend of mine said the airport here in Columbus was just a ghost town. He said it was actually sure, a but I've also end. read things online where you thought it was going to be a ghost town and it's an overpacked flight and people are just absolutely terrified sitting next to one another and oh, causing yeah. fights because there's like a, you know, an open aisle th- or an open seat three, three rows down. And they're like, why don't you go sit there? Don't sit next to me. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. imagine that. It's one of those things that uh, we've, we've talked about opening up the, the, the country isn't as simple as the government saying, yeah, go ahead. You can do this now. People aren't comfortable. You're not going to be comfortable. Have you seen they're talking about putting shower curtains in between booths of the restaurants? That's ridiculous. I can't well, even I think that it's I mean, I've probably I haven't kept up on it, but there are probably some really ridiculous solutions to the orders that the states are putting in place. Oh, yeah, they're limiting capacity. Obviously, you know, fewer people. But if I've got to sit in a booth with a, a a freaking shower curtain around it. Uh, I'll pass. I'll, I'll sit at home and watch community. Absolutely. And not only that, but if you're going to sit there and the hostess and the waiter and anybody else who's serving on you is Masks. wearing a mask yeah. and it just doesn't feel like a regular night on the town, you might not want to be going out in the first place. No. I mean, how, how really comfortable can you get in your frivolities if you're constantly hanging out with people in masks and worrying about if somebody's six feet away from you? That's really not a fun night out on the town. No, but apparently a large number of the constituency does not give a goddamn and would just rather go out and have a grand old time like old like like always. Yeah, I think in the minds of the people who are um, so eager for us to open back up, they're imagining like some kind of a genie snapping his fingers and then you're back at your bar with everybody hanging out, watching sports, it's packed, sharing shots together. It's not going to be They're saying way. to themselves, <laughs> this didn't happen. This isn't happening. Yes. And I've had, and you know, like right in lockstep with the kind of people who are talking about, oh, I'd rather get this now than later, are the other people who are saying, ah, fuck it. I'll, I'll get it. If it, if I go, I go, that kind of thing. Right. And these are the kind of people who probably have drank at the fountain of democracy and capitalism, you know, at the teat for a very long time, had a grand old time, and just say, fuck it, you know. It's not going to happen in my lifetime, whatever. I'm out. Yeah, it's it's more of a, like we talked about last week, just people getting fed up with waiting. And, it, I mean, denial, not just a river in Africa. They do not want to believe that this is a real threat anymore. And their their rationalization is, uh, well, when everything opens back up, it'll just be fine. It's going to be like uh, February again. And it's not. It's not going to be like that. <laughs> it is going to be like February in terms of uh, Ohio opening up outside dining first. 
Yeah, we've got <laughs> that coming up. Uh, we Friday. had fucking snow this week, and that's what's going to happen. You know, at the outset, is they're going to have outside dining before inside. Yeah, and it's kind of an arbitrary uh, timeline too, isn't it? They're doing Friday uh, for. Uh, the outsor- outside uh, eating. I think and then, it's the 15th and the 21st or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's like six days later on a Thursday. They're opening up the inside. Yeah, on a Thursday. You're right. So, I'm, I don't know. Whatever that's about, but uh, maybe that's how long it takes to get the shower curtains ready. There you go. Um, I did want to say one thing about murder hornets, by the way. Oh, um, I want to say a lot of things about them, but go ahead. Okay. Well, I was going to say, did you know that Asian honeybees have been able to... Um, figure out a way to defend themselves from the murder hornets? Yeah, well, evolution, Darwinism. I mean, it's going to happen, so yeah. Oh, wait, you knew that? I read about it, yeah. I, I don't know uh, the, the specifics of how they do it, but uh, I read the uh, the headline and the blurb to, uh, yesterday, I believe. Oh, my God. It's amazing. So what they do is, once the very scout comes over, because there has to be a scout before he gets his whole troop of homies to come back and attack the the nest. Oh, Um, this is in-depth. Right, right. Well, you know, they they mark it with a pheromone, and then they go back to their dudes, and then they get their whole troop, and then they go in there, and they desecrate everything. And they massacre everybody in their path. Well, what these Asian honeybees have been able to do is attack that first scout and not even let him get back to his nest because they surround him. And then several hundred of these honeybees get together in a big, make a big ball around the hornet. And they start flexing their muscles as if they were going to fly, but they just flex their muscles together in a big ball and they generate enough heat to cook the hornet to death. Oh my God. That is not where I thought this story was going. That is how you make sure he doesn't get back to his lair to get his friends. That's amazing. It's fucking awesome. It's fucking awesome. And unfortunately, the domestic honeybee here in the U.S. does not know how to do that. And so they're just sitting ducks. And that's why they're just getting decapitated left and right. So I'm sitting here saying, what do we do? How do we get a training program in here from Asia and get some of these flexing cooking cooking bees over here to, to, to show our bees what the fuck is up. Well, people are dying to get the gyms open again. We got to get some uh, bee gyms open. Get these motherfuckers yeah. out there with their, their delts flexed right on top of the hornets. I didn't know that was no a thing No pain, you could no do. gain. Well, we should get together with a bunch of our friends sometime and surround somebody and just flex as hard as we can. And we'll ask them if they're getting any warmer. <laughs> well, uh, unfortunately, we have hate crimes here in Ohio. <laughs> well, I, I assumed you knew we were going to Georgia to do this. I was going to say, we'll be scot-free there, buddy. <laughs> what else we got going on? Uh, well, I mean, like, I wanted to kind of talk about sports, but we can go to politics. We'll go to politics for now. So uh, Trump had something to say uh, recently. Um, he was being challenged uh, basically by one of his own. Uh, it was a Trump supporter. And she she actually called him out on the way that he's a little bit of a bully to the press. He kind of plays favorites, and when somebody asks a question he doesn't like, he refuses to answer it. And she called his shit on that. So uh, bravo to her. And his his response was to come back. And he basically said, well, I've been treated worse than Abraham Lincoln. And he said this, of all places, in front of the fucking Lincoln Monument. If he only knew two presidents, it's Abe Lincoln and Ron Reagan. <laughs> That's yeah. all he's got. <laughs> he doesn't even know Washington. He doesn't. 
<laughs> I mean, like, he would call Washington an insurgent at this point. Yeah. The only thing he did is get the capital named after him. So I thought that he's was He's a total socialist. It's, uh, you know, once again, him showing that he's always capable of being extra thin-skinned. Um, you know, the, the other thing is him, uh, we already spoke about the Lincoln Project. And of all the things he's going to attack, he attacks the Lincoln Project, which is, we know what it is. Well, do you want to do you want to describe what it is first? Because it's not a really big deal. A lot of people don't know what this is. Oh, I mean, the Lincoln Project is just essentially the Never Trumpers uh, coalescing as one. Exactly. Um, it's it's people like well, it, strangely enough, uh, George Conway, uh, the husband. <laughs> yeah, that's the best part. The right? husband of Kellyanne Conway, uh, Trump's favorite Skeletor impersonator, uh, <laughs> is, is a, a prominent member. <laughs> He was one of the the uh, uh, original uh, people that formed the group, I believe. Yeah, it's like the Madeline Carville household. There's a lot of division at the dinner table. Yeah, so thron- uh, Trump is throwing darts at the the Lincoln Project because you know they're they're trying to scoop a little bit of what we were mentioning with banding the a left centrist. together a little bit. Yeah, trying yeah, to, right. uh-huh. to get something to oppose this madness. And man, is he punching down the president. This is like Roger Goodell being pissed off at the water boy at my high school football team. It is not, <laughs> not on his level that he should be actually concerning himself with it. But I think that's great because it shows you the equality and the egalitarian nature of the internet. Yeah. It is kind of the great equalizer. Um, you know, we, I think a thousand things in my life have been called the great equalizer, but for right now, let's agree that it's the internet. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he was able to bring this to the fore, and thanks a lot, because it's speaking to uh, what a lot of people are thinking right now. And you had a point you were going to make about Dan Carlin. Well, I mean, I you know I listen to Dan Carlin a lot, and he has two pod... Well, he has three podcasts now. It was the Hardcore History, where you get these six-hour epic sagas about... Um, Genghis Khan and sometimes it's like a five-parter and they're like four hours a piece so it's like 20 hours on the wrath of the cons and then he's got this other one called common sense and that one's been taken on the burner on the back it's been taken to the back burner since Trump has been in office because like common sense has been thrown out the window right but like he has this hardcore history addendum where he does these interviews with some really great thinkers um and he shared some really awesome nuggets this week, and one of them was, you're not going to win, so now what? Because you essentially, in partisan politics, spent your entire life trying to make sure that the other side didn't win at all costs, and making sure that you eradicate them. And you're not going to be successful in that, because there's always going to be opposition to your side and your way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so what is the fruits of your labor besides division? It certainly isn't the betterment of the people that you are there to serve. No. That's an interesting uh, discussion. Uh, he podcasts this by himself, correct? Well, he podcasts this by himself, but the guy that he had on this week uh-huh. is actually a hockey commentator from Canada who sounded better read than any of the actual news commentators from America that I know. That's fantastic. It was amazing. This guy was dropping quotes left and right. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I was like really amazed. He sounded like a, a philosopher at times. Yeah, that's a that's a deep dig. Um, 
when it comes to because do you think that the the left has really relegated itself to they're not going to win? And I'm not talking about you know the the Bidens and the uh, the such looking at the election. I'm just talking about within the the political climate that we're living in. Do you? No, think- I just mean that like in in summation, one one party isn't going to trounce the other one into ashes. Even though people like the Trump and Trumpers think that they can do that, in fact, there will always be an opposition that rises against them. I think they think they already have, to be honest, if we're being really fair. Well, what they believe is that they're able to discount anyone else's opinion. And yes, they have been successful in that. Mm -hmm. But it's not the same thing. Yeah, it's there. I guess there really aren't small battles. It's just one ongoing war. So there really is no ultimate victor because no matter what you do, even if you stomp down a political party, another one's just going to replace it. So it's like trying to defeat ISIS. Yeah. Um, oh, and another quote from that episode was fantastic. I forget who he attributed this to, but it was, everyone is born with two lives and the second one begins the moment you realize that you only have one. Yeah, I've actually heard that quote somewhere before, I think, and I love it because it's it's true. Um and this actually It's beautiful. Yeah, it it holds true to almost every uh topic that we've touched on today if you really think about it. So when we stop looking at uh people as being expendable, whether they were gunned down because they might have been a certain race or when we're talking about trying to get out to the bars or the restaurants, when we're not when we're worried and freaking out about murder hornets who are not even going to kill us to begin with. And if they do, we'll adapt. We'll all flex. We'll take care exactly. of Exactly. That's right. So there's, there's a lot to be said about uh, that one little grouping of like 16 words. It's fantastic. Yeah. So you have to be able to take everything back into context. And you have to say to yourself, yes, there are going to be some things that are inconveniences to what is essentially otherwise an extremely charmed and amazing life that the 21st century has afforded me. Now, yes, there are pitfalls to a modern lifestyle and what we've created for ourselves, but all in all, the level of comfort, the level of happiness is at an all-time high and the level of strife is at an all-time low and we need to figure out what to do with that and embrace it for what it is. Yeah, too often uh, we get worked up a lot about issues that aren't directly affecting us and that's good that we're being uh, socially aware. But life in general, even under a Trump regime, we're still living pretty well. And we're really fortunate to be in the 21st century with all the conveniences that uh, we have. So, And we are, but we're all just worried about what might happen in the future. We just have to be able to have that conversation on common ground. And that has been the toughest part about the last four years. Yeah, uh, that, that and the inconveniences of late obviously have put a lot of strain on it, but... Um, all in all, again, I'm not really that upset about my life because I have to stay home right now. So, they, like, it's an inconvenience. You know, it, it's literally the definition of that word. And yeah, I'll, I'll and I mean, it. I am someone who is still having to go into the workforce, and I understand that I'm doing so at increased risk as opposed to staying home. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, it's like I have the modern convenience of a sanitary wipe. And uh, so many other things that help keep me safe so that as long as I utilize what's available to me, I can hopefully go about my life as best as possible. Right. And you've got, you know, 
that all of the the regular things that would make you happy in your life you can you can pour that bourbon you can be with your daughter you can watch a, a movie or you know do this podcast it's just a lot of things that were i think we take for granted a little too often so but uh speaking that's right of inconveniences mm-hmm. do you feel like the ghost of dave thomas feels a little bit inconvenienced right now I mean, that's really sad because, you know, I remember just making the pilgrimage while I was at Ohio State going to the original Wendy's mm-hmm. for no other reason than to say, that's where it all happened, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and that franchise just, just sticks with you because it's kind of just that much better than the rest of the grease traps like McDonald's and Burger King. And to hear that they can't have their fresh, never frozen beef... <laughs> Uh, you know, which is essentially the linchpin to their business model. Uh, that sucks. That really, that really sucks. Yeah, they're one of the few fast food places that, uh, on their actual sign, the name of the restaurant is Wendy's Old Fashioned Hamburgers, or if you pronounce mm-hmm. it like Dave Thomas, Wendy's Old Fashioned Hamburgers. Um, <laughs> R.I.P. Dave Thomas. But um, why do you think? Do you think it's their fresh, never frozen policy that uh, brought them under fire from this beef shortage and not the other uh, major chains? It probably has something to do with that. Um, I don't know what smaller chains with equal um, business models had to say about that, like in and out over on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if they're not having as large of a demand and have different supply chains, then, you know, they might not be affected in the same way. Um, I, I think that um, we are really starting to see a lot of federal policy bear out in terms of the food chain and it's not good um we've got a lot of these meat manufacturing plants being shut down because of high rates of infection of covid and there's really no backup plan and um, there's also really no backup plan for what happens to all the food that ends up does getting processed but doesn't have an end user when you have so many restaurants who are out of the business or aren't doing as much volume as they used to, all this food is literally being thrown away. Yeah. And the federal government could have easily have put some plan in place to say, all right, anything that is surplus can go to all these food kitchens or all these people who are looking for money and handouts because their unemployment check hasn't come or they don't get any at all. Like, where is all this food going? Why are we wasting food? Why are we not having foresight into these types of situations. I think a lot of it probably just has to do with this being such untested territory. Uh, people don't know. Okay, they, but so we've done this in the spring. Why won't, why won't we have it ready in the fall? Now, that's a point right there because now we've got an actual blueprint. There's no excuse, exactly. what should be done. Um, yeah, it's really, uh, it's unfortunate that every conversation we try to get into somehow leads its way back to covid uh, but it, it's it's real, you know. We, there, I think it actually really leads its way cows. back to the ineptitude of the administration, but they're hand in hand right now. Yeah, it's a failure of our American society as a whole. But it's yeah, it's it's more of that good old trickle down uh, coming from our fearless leader. And no, that's not all his fault. Like, but you know, these people they didn't all have to get sick. Things could have been done. Not every single uh, industry out there is got a, a major outbreak of covid circulating no. amongst their workforce and, and, and pete don't get me wrong like i'm not sitting here trying to attribute anything to trump that he didn't actually have a hand in doing it wasn't directly the same way yeah. the same way that when every one of his supporters want to try to give him 
credit for the economy over the first 18 months of his presidency, I was sitting here trying to tell everybody, obviously, it's just a rollover from whatever the previous administration had enacted. Yeah, it takes about and three that is years. A, it's literally a universal truth. It's the same thing as rolling over a college football team. It's Econ 101. And if you yeah. want to turn a blind eye to that or say that's not the case, then you are just anti-factual at that point. And then I know I can't have a conversation with you. Yeah, because you can't pick and choose what you're going to attribute and uh, to him and be a detriment to his administration. You can't, exactly. You can't, so yeah. in, in terms of coronavirus, there are certain things like um, a general stockpiling of vaccines or, you know, there's just certain things that you can attribute to previous administrations and the system as a whole and then certain inactions that you can distinctly attribute to this administration. Right. And it's it's just more of the, the partisan rhetoric that you hear, because if it was Obama, then the right would, of course, blame him. They would blame him for the murder hornets, too. You know, but it's fine if you want to blame somebody where blame is actually able to be attributed. Oh, I agree. I, I think that there there is a it's not like Trump went out there and literally himself. Uh, took out uh, beat the beef industry, but the decisions that he's making. No, and the but if he wants to say that it's going to like go through us like a regular flu and it'll be fine and just one day, poof, it's going to be over. That kind of thinking and that kind of public rationale is what gets people killed. And it permeates rural areas where you have a lot of these uh, people working in the beef industry. So and they hang on every word too. Yeah, yeah. So you know, that's what you get for. <laughs> Um, you got a lot of sick people and you got a beef shortage. Uh, fucking a, yeah. So that, that is unfortunate though for, uh, for Wendy's and, uh, our, our hometown little, uh, restaurant that was born here and blew up cause now it's Wendy's old fashioned spicy nuggets for a little bit. <laughs> no, actually I went just because I wanted to see and because I had some other shit to do. I got a Wendy's hamburger yesterday. Yeah. They don't all. Uh, have a, a, a problem. They're back in business. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. so, uh, some of them had a few days. The double stack was not available. Oddly, oh, not that I was trying to get that. I was just trying to get one of these big bacon classics, as Dave used to hawk back in the day when he was walking the earth. Man, I miss um, those. They, they switched everything to the baconator. That's too much. No, it's bi- the big bacon classic is back. That's what I got. Oh, it is. I didn't know that. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I might have to make a trip back there. Yeah, because I can't do the baconator. I don't it was need really that good. Strips of bacon. No, you really don't. I like bacon. And there's nothing else going on. You need the freshness of the vegetables. Like, why do we need to forget about them all together? Yeah, they took all the lettuce and stuff off there. I, I used to love the Big Bacon That's wrong. classic growing up. So mm-hmm. um, let's wish Wendy's well, and hopefully uh, they'll be fine with their beef from here on out. Yeah, because they cannot survive on nuggets alone. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wendy's, old fashioned, <laughs> Wendy's Old Fashioned Frosties is not going to uh, keep the boat afloat. Did you know that Frosties are uh, carbonated? Um, no, I, no, I've never heard that. Hmm. Yeah, so that is what makes them kind of special. That's why they're frosty. Um, right. Well, that's why they have that little bit of a tang to it. There's there's bubbles in there. Yeah, it's kind of like soft serve ice cream, but it's like I don't know, jacked up. Yeah, it's on a uh, carbonation steroids. Mm-hmm. There you go. So we do have to talk about sports, though. Thank uh, God, can't wait. Yeah, uh, ESPN decided they're gonna do some baseball coverage this year. You check. Yeah, this it's out? gonna be. The Korean League, right? The Korean League. It's actually already started. Um, yeah. I, I was on ESPN and they were ranking uh, like all the top players. 
I'm like, what am I going to do? Learn these Korean rosters? I mean, I'm a baseball fan, but like, come on, man. This isn't exactly the same thing as knowing who Bryce Harper is. So, (laughs) but it's something. No, but I did hear that they were going to shut the entire league down if one person tests positive for COVID. Really? Yeah. So they're not screwing around. Well, yeah, that I mean, I could, it's different. It's Korea, you know. Here in uh, here in the United States, we have to wait for about ninety-five to ninety-six percent of the league to get COVID before we start. Right, but I just like to know what kind of measures they have in place for keeping everybody quarantined, or if their society is just so intact right now that they can just go about daily it's life as usual and one. show up to the ballpark. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. People listen. Well, and you have people apparently in China; they haven't had a single positive case in three weeks. They had a, a couple pop up this week, actually. Okay, so, but I mean, like yeah. a couple in <laughs> in a a country that you know yeah, comprises three, three a third as, three of it's it's a third of the world's population in one country, and they've had three cases in a week or whatever. Unbelievable. Both Korea and China had a couple cases uh, this past week, but I don't think it was much to get concerned about because they wiped out a a, a major epidemic in their country. So. I'm sure they'll be fine with uh, a couple people. Um, also, uh, Don Shula passed away, one of the greatest NFL coaches of all time. This past well, week. the winningest coach of Still all the time. winningest coach of all time, but you have to mm-hmm. factor into that that the guy coached for about 75 years. So Yeah, that's true. The longevity thing has something to do with it. Yeah. And when you want to talk about rings, dude wasn't got banging anything out on Belichick. When we were growing up. <laughs> but he's got the only undefeated Super Bowl champions he ever. Does. Yeah, those those nineteen seventies uh, Dolphins teams were excellent. Mercury so. Morris in the house. Mercury popping Morris. champagne every year <laughs> when that final undefeated team goes oh, down. Oh my god, the two thousand seven Patriots. How unfortunate yep. for them. Um, I think there was not a finer fit to the end of that season. That was, that was a Swedish marvelous. champagne. Swedish champagne yes. that old Mercury had ever uh, drank. Mm-hmm. To this day. Cork went open. And also, I also uh, would like to give a shout-out, RIP, to Little Richard uh, passed away. Um, one of the rock and roll greats, and he gets forgotten about a lot. I feel like people talk about uh, a lot of guys from that era, and then after that era, they'll talk about, uh, you know, your Stevie Wonders and... But you don't hear a, a lot about uh, Little Richard except for Wop Babaloo Bop Lop Bam Boom. You do if you have somebody who's in the know. If you if you have somebody who understands where rock and roll came from when it made the turn, uh, it's going to be Chuck Berry. It's going to be Little Richard. It's going to be Elvis. And then you can basically you know make your case for the fourth, whether or not it's going to be Ray Charles or... Um, uh, was uh, Jerry Lee Lewis? So like these, this is your Mount Rushmore of rock and more, rock and roll. This is who turned it from from gospel to the masses. Yeah, and I, I just feel like Chuck Berry gets so much more credit, and obviously Elvis, but uh, than than Little Richard does because you just, I he's become such a a caricature of himself because he's so sure. flamboyant, and right. that's kind of eclipsed. His greatness. But what's amazing is that he's held that same persona from the beginning. So to imagine that kind of person walking around in the 50s (laughs) is mind-boggling. And that's what threw everything on its head. And that's what, you know, people were like, all right, we can be free. We can just shake a rug and and do whatever the hell we want. And this man really broke down the walls in that regard. Yeah. Uh, Super 
a talented musician and he doesn't get enough uh, credit today by people who aren't in the know, I guess. But, Absolutely. Uh, He's on anybody's Rushmore. I got to say this. It, it's just it, one of the founding fathers of modern music. Right. So if you're not uh, terribly familiar with Little Richard, uh, throw, in a, throw in a song. Get on YouTube. Throw on some Tutti Frutti. Yeah. He's a, he's a great loss to the music industry. They're making a, a movie. Uh, actually, a whole series, I should say, on Netflix based on the Netflix series Tiger King. I don't know what oh, kind of wow. sense this makes, but they're very doing, meta. Yeah, you're you're doing a ser- a fictional series based on their docu series that people are, are right now still kind of making memes about, you know, binging on. I think that that is essentially your Walking Dead premise, where there is not enough content in the original <laughs> canon, and you just have to extrapolate and you know and just more run remakes with it. And re- yeah, yeah, you got it. We should try to get a remake of this series that's parodying the original series and get that in the works right now just so we're ahead of the game i think we would call it um mildly retarded the born (laughs) the born to be mild story (laughs) not even mildly exotic um (laughs) so who if you you've got a you've got a whole list of actors in front of you who are you picking to play the character of joe exotic in this series Oh, I thought you were going to say me in the Born to be Mild remake because oh, I was like, if you oh, it's either going to be Brad Pitt or Jason Biggs. <laughs> I was going to say you can play him. Jason Biggs. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of going to Jason Biggs. It is. It's officially Jason Biggs now. <laughs> well, I was going to say, if he's lost his hair, that's about as close as I can get. <laughs> Let's just yeah. get the whole cast of American Pie back, and that's going to play everybody in the movie. Yeah. Oh my so God. if, if David mom. Cross is busy, then um, what's her yeah. name? Tara Reid. She can play Carol Baskins. Um, <laughs> but they got a. Uh, they've got Nicolas Cage set to star as Joe. That's Exotic. awesome. I. You know what? I can't wait. Bring it on. Let's do it. Oh yeah. Um, because I'm starved for there. content. Nick Cage is gonna play some Tiger King. A B C D E F G. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love That's what we guys. need, man. That's what we need. One of my all-time We need favorite. to see him in a good Brokeback Mountain scene with maybe uh, <laughs> who could play his young love interest with no teeth. I don't know. Oh, we'll God. have to figure Let's that out. Like but a... it'll have to be CGI mouth. You yeah. Know? We'll get yeah. somebody somebody good looking in there. Like, uh, How about, uh, what's his name? Um, what if Chris, we get Chris Brock Lesnar. Chris Evans. The guy who plays <laughs> Some <him>. big <laughs> Brock Lesnar. The... <laughs> big giant dude. Yeah, we'll get the the big show. John Cena, we'll bring him in there. Oh man. Um. So yeah, I, I, I'm curious to watch that. Uh, Nicholas Cage is I'm one not. of my all time favorites <laughs> in terms of. Oh, I, I, it. They sold me with Nick Cage. He's that's cool. So over the top. One of my favorite uh, actual movie lines of all time is in the movie The Rock, and uh, he he's going on some kind of a tirade, but he's talking to Sean Connery, and he's like so calm, but he blows up. And he says. How in the name of Zeus's butthole? <laughs> like out of nowhere, the dude just because explodes. he's a spaz like that. And that was so probably funny. an ad lib. That probably wasn't even in the real, you <laughs> know, sure. in the real scripts. He's an he's he's a wild man. He was just talking about his day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was talking about you gave me you know chocolate milk in my coffee. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So, do we happen to have a segue into the movie quiz for this week? Because I think there's no better time than, you know, running right off of 
Yeah, Nick we Cage should. Is and, uh, crazy ass. We should instead of uh, actually just doing a quiz. Let's do what we said last week, and I'm just going to bring up a couple uh, movies, and they're all going to be sports oh, okay. movies because you know what? We miss sports. Man, that is for sure. So much. So we're going to bring up a few of the all-time greats. Um, how old were you when you saw the first Rocky, the original? I don't know. I know that I was older, way older. The first Rocky that I saw was Rocky Four. Me too. And then I probably followed that up with Rocky Three or One. I'm not even sure. I saw uh, Rocky Four first when I was, uh, you know, a little kid in the late '80s, and you know it was still relevant, like the Russia thing. And I thought it was great. It was it was a great kid movie <laughs> because it was like a superhero. And he, it's super easy to understand good versus evil. Yeah, it was so basic. You kind of felt like when uh, you see his son and his friends back home cheering, watching the uh, watching television when he's like fighting across uh, across the ocean. Yeah, and also it had that like Back to the Future Johnny Five thing where it's a spoiled kid. He had his own robot. And I was like, God damn. Yeah, they kind of implied that he was like having a sexual was like relationship Herman. with it. It was really weird. <laughs> I'll have to watch that again. I did not see that. Yeah, he part. like he gives okay. it like a woman's voice, and like there's some suggestive comments. It's a little bit creepy, but uh, that's the first one I saw, and I liked it. But I didn't see the first Rocky myself until I think my freshman year of college. Yeah, uh, and I, I was amazed. It's a, like it's, it's a legitimate film. It's really good. It's not Rocky Four. It's not Rocky Three, which has both Mr. T and Hulk Hogan in it somehow. It's Rocky like, Three is a comic book. It's un. Believable, but I love it. So, Rocky Two is something else, though. You know, it's also like, a great movie. Like I'm, I'm yeah. not saying three and four. If you like them, yeah, they're they're one they're and two films. are are far and away more film oriented than three, four, and five. And I, I think actually, coming to think of it, I saw five after four because you know, chronologically, it just happened to come out right then. Um, so I learned about, it was Us First Russia, and then I learned about, okay, Rocky's real old, and those movies happened a long time ago, so right. now it's time for Tommy Gunn to take the mantle. And I, I think that might have been the second one I saw. That's the fifth one, I believe, right? Yeah, so... Yeah. I didn't... Yeah, they, they talked about... And you know what's funny is because they kind of talk about him being too old in the first movie. <laughs> so it's amazing that, like, 2006 too old for a very long time. He's, he's still fighting... Do you remember that he fought? Uh, he actually fought Tarver in the ring back in 2006 when they made that Rocky Balboa movie. And he's like in his right. 60s. <laughs> so, I mean, him being too old, I guess he's kind of like Danny Glover in those uh, Lethal Weapon movies. You know, he's too. He old trains really well, though. Homeboy stays in shape. Yeah. You ever see the Expendables? Like, I mean, he's got he's really wrinkly everything. But I he's mean, jacked. let's be serious. The dude's got needle holes in his ass. So. <laughs> you don't. You don't age that well without some extra test. Absolutely um, not. Annie has total Catwoman face now, so yeah, he's getting the Botox as well. Yeah, he's had some work done on his face and his ass, and who doesn't Oh, he looks that? terrible. So, um, yeah. But yeah, Rocky 1, great movie. If you're a fan of uh, Rocky 3 and 4 and you've never really watched the original, I highly recommend it. It's a touching movie. It won Best Picture. Like, that blows And the writer mind. was Sylvester was, Stallone. Stallone. That's what... Yep. Wrote it That's himself. what should blow people's mind even more. He was it's a like, nobody. This guy had this movie in his pocket for a long time, and he was right. He wrote it all himself, and it, it was a beautiful thing. Like he had a beautiful mind about this subject, 
and he told a wonderful story and nobody can ever take that away from him and that's why he has the legitimacy that he has to this day yeah the credence of um Sylvester Sylvester Stallone like really rests on the fact that the dude was he was not a giant in the way he was in the 80s back in like 1975 he was like living on the streets with his dog and he wrote this script and I mean he just blew up and it was he blew up because it was an amazing script the love story is totally underrated him the uh, the, him and Adrian gets kind of made fun of later with the Adrian like but the way that it's told in that first film Right, it's, it's well you can done. see you can see um, on the waterfront hearkenings. Oh yeah, you, you can you can tell the, uh, the the heart that he had at that time trying to be poured out onto the script as he was writing it, and it was a great yeah. success. So I, I, I love Rocky. Um, I wish I would. It could almost it be seen as a standalone to the rest of the franchise. It could have, yeah, but I think that Rocky too goes so well with it. It does, yeah. yeah. So like, those two are are definitely my favorites. Yeah. Like the character of Apollo Creed, like um, Drago's fun. Mr. T is hilarious, but Apollo Creed is a great character. So, oh, those are the two. Um, one movie you brought up last week that you wanted to talk about is Tin Cup. Mm-hmm. What makes you like? Uh, is it because it's about golf and you enjoy golf? Roy McAvoy. No, I think it really <laughs> just has a lot to do with um, the rebel spirit that he holds. Uh, in the golf world, um, mm-hmm. I felt that way as well. So, like when I was in high school and people were wanting to do practice rounds again and again every day on the same course, I was like, "All right, we can do that." But I think I'm only going to bring my five iron today, and I'm going to do it <laughs> barefoot. <laughs> so it's like trying to think outside the box whenever you're within a really confined society. And he seemed to speak to that, and that's what I really liked about that movie. Yeah, it's it's got a a bit of that '90s feel to it, where uh, especially the romance with him and uh, Rene Russo. But that that scene where he's trying to drive over that that water, he's trying to make this. Yeah, shot. on the par five, it's classic sports movie yeah. scene, and he it's, keeps it's dropping in the record books. It. Yeah, but a lot of people may not have seen this movie. But Kevin Costner just dropping that ball over and over <laughs> until he's out of balls, and the entire tournament rests on the fact that. He can go up to this lake and place it right in front of it and easily chip over it with the same amount of penalty. But because of his pride, he keeps throwing it down right where he's at from like 200 yards away and trying to execute this awesome shot. Right. And he does so to the point where he has only one ball left in his bag. And the rules of golf are such that if you run out of balls, you just have to forfeit and lose. You can't play, yeah. So that's what adds to the heightened drama of the scene. And then on the like the very final one, he fucking aces it, and he gets you know, it right on the green. And, and it's you know because it is. It's one of those that. movie moments, of course. Yeah, by the second shot, you, he's he's out of the match. He's not going to win. But no, just, yeah, this is on principle alone. Shot, it's just the principle, and it's it's actually more enjoyable. It's it's cringeworthy and enjoyable at the same time. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And if you've never seen it, so I guess Tim that's Cup. why I feel such a kinship to it. It's cringeship, but it's it's very little, enjoyable. Cringe. It's cringeworthy, but it's very enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. And to this, I added one of my all-time favorites, um, the movie Hoosiers. And we're we're going old school on a couple of these here, but Hoosiers was like to me the original major like just a sports movie all right now you can have your hoosiers and i'll get right back to that but can i recommend to anybody breaking away 
I've never. Do you seen know this movie? movie? No, I. I've Breaking Away it. is definitely in the top ten of a lot of critics' sports movies of all time, and it's about cycling. I'll have to give it a watch. I've actually yes, uh, yeah, I've never seen. I I was thinking about a really obscure movies like that. This was several years later, but uh, Prefontaine was such a great film about. Um, that's actually quite contemporary. That's you know. Yeah, that's like ninety seven. Two thousands. I think I think it was ninety seven actually. It was okay. Jared Leto was still pretty young when he did it, but anyone wants to talk about um, Requiem for Your Dream and why that justifies Jared Leto's career, I will give you Prefontaine because that's a really good movie, and it doesn't make Absolutely. me want to kill myself the way that Requiem for a Dream does. So um, it is. Yeah, it's full of bad feels. That one. Yeah, it's not a not a fun watch. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah, but I was just going to mention Hoosiers because I love Gene Hackman and I love that era of basketball. I love the, you know, no no three-point line, none of that stuff. And the way that they, I think the movie could have been so much better if they would have tackled some of the racial inequalities. But, sure, you know, absolutely. They weren't going to do that in the, the early 80s. So it's, No, it's but where is the movie about Dean Smith? Like someone who decided to break down the color barrier. Yeah. I mean, great. like, that guy deserves his movie right now. So many storylines to factor into that one, too. Yeah, that would be a yeah. great movie. That's a good idea. You should uh, you should write that uh, <laughs> script yourself. Uh, I'm sure there have been quite a few people at the uh, ESPN Bristol campus who have had nothing to do and might have come up with one or two of their own in this uh, downtime. <laughs> so hanging out there, we pick up the 1999 screenwriting software, fire one out. Um, yeah, that's all I got for the movies, though. Um, I'll have to check nice. out the, uh, what's it called again? Uh, breaking, breaking Away. Breaking Away. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's I'll gold. check that out. So uh, before uh, I flip it back to you and we wrap things up here, um, we do want to, as you mentioned earlier, give a big get well soon to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was laid up this week and in the hospital. Um, I think she's doing better now. She might even be released by today. But, uh, you know, the woman is ancient. <laughs> so when she gets <laughs> no, sick, that's fantastic. And if we want to talk about anything, or if we want to talk about precedent, we can talk about how her seat will never be up for this Trump presidency to determine. Um, yeah, he's going to have to be reelected to replace her. Right, and we're kind of hoping that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us, yeah, are really crossing our fingers, and that's actually one of the major reasons. Because RGB is clinging to life, I swear, hanging out in that robe that looks like it was fitted for Shaq, and she weighs about 65 pounds, and she's just, she's like, I gotta stay alive for this next election. No doubt. So Tony Kornheiser had been losing a little bit of weight over the quarantine, and his production (laughs) manager was telling him, you know, you really should lay off the sport coats because it looks like you're wearing your dad's clothes. I would stick to the sweaters. <laughs> but, you know, unfortunately for RBG, there are no sweaters in the SCOTUS. You just have to go with the robe. No, she's so. probably wearing an extra small, I'm sure. But that's And you know what? Double sweatshirts underneath, baby. You fill it out well. You're an inspiration to us all. Yeah, so get well soon to uh, RBG. We love you. No doubt. And, you know, we're going to have another busy week come next Sunday, and we're going to be here for you guys again, just trying to make sense of it all, and we're happy to do so. Yeah, and I hope that no one was offended by the way that we're, we're coming after some people, and we're really just trying to talk about things that are important to us, and I think they need to be discussed. And if you disagree, that's great. You know, uh, make a podcast, and I'll listen to you talk. And it's uh, there's just there's so much to be said and so many opinions to be expressed, and sometimes... 
we're just like you. We've got to vent a little bit ourselves. So I uh, want to shout all of our love out to everyone out there, regardless of your ideologies or your views. Yes, absolutely. I am so grateful for this outlet. And, you know, if there were only two people listening, I think I would still do it because it is a great conversation in the end. Agreed. All right, buddy. Well, I want to thank Ryan Little for our music. I want to thank everybody for listening. And I want to ask you guys to rate and review us on all the places that you hear us. Uh, Thanks again, and we'll see you guys next week. All right, everybody. Take care.